intimacy. I actually looked it up in the dictionary to find out what it meant. Intimacy is close familiarity, the knowledge of. The closer you get to someone, the more you know about them. And I was thinking about this and, and um, reminded me, and I'm going to embarrass him, but when Brian and I first met, the first time he phoned me up, he said, I'd like to get to know you more. Can we go out and spend a day together? It was a way of getting to know one another, to spend time. It was a great time spending time together, learning about one another. And over the last eight years, I think we've learned a few things about one another. We've got my son staying with, as many of you know at the moment. He came for a fortnight. Thirteen months later, he's still with us. <laughs> but we've got to know him in that time. Brian never had a chance to get to know him before, but he's got to know him quite well over 13 months. Yes, we're looking forward to the day when they're able to move on and do their own thing, have their own place. But it's been a time of getting to know, a time of understanding, a time of learning. And this is the sort of thing God wants with us. He wants us to have that time to get to know him. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 19. This is an example of somebody that knew God well, had a good relationship with God. I'm going to pick out certain verses. I'm not going to read the whole lot. But verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. And in amongst what he said, he said, Now if you obey me fully and keep my command, then out of all the nation you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine... You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a set-apart nation. God wanted a relationship with Israel. So Moses went back and he told the people what had been said. And then in verse 10, God said to Moses, Go back and consecrate the people. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Make them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the foot of the mountain will surely be put to death. And after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. And on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people, so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, 
and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people can't come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. And the Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And then we read where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And if we turn over to verse 18 of chapter 20, it says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Moses had the relationship. Moses had that relationship with God that he could go up the mountain and spend time with him. So I've picked one or two things out of this passage that we can learn about intimacy with God. First thing I noticed was Moses went up the mountain to meet God. Why a mountain? Well, for the Jews, the mountain was a special place. And if we think back, Abraham was prepared to sacrifice Isaac on a mountain. God called Moses on a mountain. And here they are again, God speaking to Moses, and it's up the mountain. I had a friend at college who always insisted that he would go to the top of the local hill to pray because he felt closer to God there. He encouraged us to do it as well, and we had great times when we'd get up at five o'clock in the morning in those mad days, and we'd go up to the top of the Licky Hills just outside Birmingham to pray. It was a special time. And there was that closeness. Brian and I had a conversation about mountains, and he was saying, but I've always seen mountains as an obstacle, in a way, that the mountains are shown as an obstacle. And yes, Jesus spoke about saying to this mountain, and it will be moved. So there are times when a mountain is an obstacle. But also, Jesus went up a mountain to pray at times. If you look in Luke 6, verse 12, and I don't recommend you look them up now, but you might want to later. Before he chose the twelve, Jesus spent the night in prayer on a mountain. After feeding the 5,000, he went alone up a mountain. And then there was the transfiguration where he and three of his disciples went up on the mountain. And as Jesus prayed, his countenance was changed. And they were amazed at what they saw. So mountains are used in the Bible to, recom- uh, to show the relationship of people with God. But do we have to go up a mountain, literally, to be intimate with God? Maybe your mountain's different. 
we'd have a long way to go if we wanted to go up a mountain in Essex. And I was trying to think, where could we go? And I thought round here, I thought, well, there's Langdon Hills. Horndon on the hill, I didn't get that one. Ben, there's Hadley Downs. Rayleigh Mount. Somebody said Danbury. Couldn't think of one for Billericay, but I suppose even Billericay itself is on the hill. So, Norsey Woods is it. So, you know, physically, we wouldn't sort of choose to go up a mountain in Essex particularly. But then I thought, you know, we've got different mountains, we've got different places that we can go to be intimate with God. And I thought of the mother of John Wesley, who apparently used to throw her apron over her face and cover herself so that that was her time alone with God. And the family knew that, that that was her time. And I used to find when I was driving to work, that was my special time with God because I was on my own. Yes, I was concentrating on the road. Please, please believe me, I was concentrating on the road as well. But they were the times when God really spoke to me. And, and, and they were great times and I learned a lot. But you know, even in the workplace or at the kitchen sink is a time when you can be intimate with God. And I've been reading a lot about somebody called Brother Lawrence recently. Now, Brother Lawrence was a monk who worked in the kitchen. He was assigned to the monastery kitchen where among the tedious chores of cooking and cleaning and the constant bidding of his superiors, he developed his rule of spirituality and work. And he wrote, Men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And yet it seems like a, a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of God? And I thought, you know, what a thing to sort of think, well, he did everything he did for the love of God. And he actually said that I turned the cake that's frying on the pan for love of him. I caught, and when there's nothing else, I prostrate myself in worship before him. And he even talked about the fact that, you know, all the distractions weren't distractions for him because he learned that whatever he did, he was in God's presence. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. I can't say I've aspired to that yet. I'd love to feel I had, but I haven't. But he felt that having a proper heart about tasks made every detail of his life possess surpassing value. I began to live as if there were no one else save God and me in the world. Again, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, to live as if there's no one else but God and you in the world. And one of his most famous sayings refers to his kitchen. The time of busyness does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in great in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. 
in amongst all the busyness, I possess God. He had that relationship with God that it didn't matter where he was, whatever the distractions, he could still have that relationship, that intimacy with God. I've got a long way to go. I've got a lot to learn. If we look at his life, we're reminded of the fact that through the Holy Spirit, God is in us. Paul talks to the Colossians about Christ being in us, the hope of glory. Christ is in us. We've got the presence of God within us. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. We've got God's presence within us. So wherever we are, we have that presence. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples, he said to them, Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm there right beside you. There's that intimacy, that closeness that we referred to at the beginning. That's the important thing. It's that closeness and knowing that that closeness is there. So what stops the closeness? Well, let's look at the next part of the story. The people had to be consecrated. They had to make themselves clean before they could go to the mountain. God was insistent that all the people must consecrate themselves. They had to spend two days ready to be for the third day. Imagine every time you wanted to spend time in God's presence, having to spend two days preparing. In Psalm 24 we read, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. How's your heart? How's my heart? So how do we have clean hands and a pure heart? By keeping short accounts with God. We need to be prepared to forgive because unforgiveness can be a hindrance to us getting close to God. Remember Matthew 18 and deal with issues straight away. We no longer have to spend three days in preparation before coming to God, but we do need to prepare ourselves to be in God's presence. We need those clean hands and a pure heart. Confession is good. And in John 1, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how we have a clean heart. Pure heart and clean hands. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just. It's keeping those short accounts with God that allow us into the presence. And whereas the Israelites had to make sacrifices for cleansing, Jesus was our once and for all sacrifice. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 
And because of that, we have the confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies. But not only that, because he's cleansed us and because he died for us, he sent his Holy Spirit to be present with us at all times. And his promise was, I am with you. So we do have that opportunity. When Moses went up the uh, mountain, God gave him the Ten Commandments. Notice the first one. You shall have no other God but me. Get rid of all the hindrances in your life, my life. Because this is the part of consecration. Those hindrances need to go. And then if we look on further, only Moses and Aaron went up the mountain. In Old Testament times, only certain people had that access to the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies. Only Moses and Aaron were allowed up the mountain. The people stood at a distance. They watched what was going on. They were expecting God to speak. But only Moses and Aaron went. And they were even afraid, the people were even afraid to listen to the voice of God in case they died. So they were, they were even worried that if they heard God, they wouldn't survive. Isn't it wonderful? Because we know that the blood of Jesus has changed all that. Because when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent in two. And God gave us that access into his presence. God gave us that wonderful opportunity that we no longer need to hold back. And you know the famous verse in Hebrews, if I can find it. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The blood of Jesus is what has cleansed us and made us clean to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God is always faithful. We learn this more and more the closer we get to him. And I, I just thank God that he allowed us that access. We no longer have all the ritual cleansings. We no longer have to stand at a distance we can have the confidence to enter the Holy of Holies. What a wonderful thing. So how can we enjoy the intimacy with God, the intimacy of God's presence? Well, when spending time with God, it's good to unclutter. And I often look back to the story of Mary and Martha. Martha was in Jesus' presence, but she was so busy wanting to get everything right so busy doing 
that she actually missed out on just being. And you know, sometimes God has to say that to us. And I talked earlier about God speaking to me when I was driving. And I used to drive to work across Hanningfield Reservoir. And when I got to the dam, it was a lovely straight piece of road, and I could just put my foot down and go. And one day God said to me, I want you to slow down. You are rushing around so much. I just want you to slow down so that you can see what I want to show you. I was too busy doing. I'd filled my life. I'd, I'd been on my own for 13 years. And the way I, I coped with being on my own was to fill my life with busyness. And God was saying to me, actually, I want you to slow down. I just want you to spend time with me. It was quite a sobering thought, really, that I'd sort of filled my life with too much. And God was saying, now, now slow down. As a child, I used to love to sit at my dad's feet. It was, it was one of those sort of special places. We'd sit in the evening watching television. And there were never enough rooms because my grandma lived with us and there were never enough rooms, uh, seats in the house for all of us to sit on a chair. So my favourite place was to sit at Dad's feet, lean against his knee and just know that security, that comfort of just enjoying time with him. Didn't have to talk to him, didn't have to do anything. I could just sit and enjoy. It was a really special place to me. Do you know what? My Heavenly Father wants the same thing. He wants me to do exactly the same thing. He wants me to sit at his feet and just rest in his comfort. And he's given me the access through the blood. And I've got to remember that all the time. The other thing my dad would do was take me out when he was going, he was a traveller, a travelling rep, and he'd go to different places to show off what he'd got and he'd take me on these different journeys and we'd have a great time. I'd sit in the car while he went into his meeting. But we'd talk together and he'd talk to me about different things and he'd explain to me lots of different things. I learned a lot from my dad in those days. I love to spend time in God's presence. I don't spend enough time and I'd love to say like Brother Lawrence, that time of busyness doesn't with me differ from the time of prayer. I'd love to be able to say, it's all one. But I'm going to be honest with you and say, it's not. And sometimes the busyness overtakes the time with God. Maybe it's something I need to train myself to. But another thing that we need to do when we come into God's presence is to be expectant. Expectant that God will speak to you. And I've, I've got a book here that um, is by Richard Foster, and he talks about this expectancy. He talks about a striking feature of worship in the Bible is that people gathered in what we could only call a holy expectancy. When Moses went into the tab tabernacle, he knew he was entering the presence of God. When Moses went up the mountain, he was expecting God to speak. The people at the bottom of the mountain were expecting God to speak. Be expectant. 
Moses didn't go up the mountain with a list, of, a shopping list of God, can you do this? God, can you do this? God, can you do this? But he went saying, God, what is it you want to say to us? Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a good one for us to remember, isn't it? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's still valid today that we can go with an expectancy of hearing God. Be prepared to listen. God wants our relationship. God wants that relationship with us. God wants that relationship in the big celebration, in the quiet time on your own, in the busyness at work, in the busyness at home. When you're out shopping, wherever you are, God wants that relationship. Think of your own relationships within your family, with your friends. Don't you love to be with friends? Don't you love to be with your family? And the more you're with them, the more you know about them. So be prepared to be in each other's company, in God's company. Be prepared to listen. I was thinking about the times God shows different things, and I was thinking back to the 1990s when there was a big celebration at Wembley. I don't know how many of you remember it. I think it was called Champion of the World. And it was quite a, an awesome time and, and, and quite spine-tingling, you know, to hear people sort of really shouting and, and sort of really acclaiming God as champion of the world. And, and it was one of those things that you remember. But I also remembered back to a very quiet time in a church service down in Bath. I'd been praying about whether Brian was the right person. I'd met him, and it was sort of, God, if he's not the right one, please break this relationship now. I don't want to go on. I don't want to go down the line of getting hurt later on. And there was a quiet time, just a break in the worship, and it was quite loud worship, quite, you know, it was all go, 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 but there was just this one break. And as this one break came, I just felt I heard God saying, this is right, and I love you. And I thought, you know, isn't God amazing? Just that one little break was all it was needed. In amongst the hubbub, in amongst the noise, suddenly God was there. But I'd been expectant because I'd asked God the question, and I was expecting God to respond in some way. Be expectant. Expect God to speak to you. Expect to meet with him. So where do we fit into the story? Are you like Moses going up the mountain because you have a relationship with him that enables you to be intimate with him? Or are you feeling that you've got to stand at that distance, that you've not quite got that relationship How's your heart? You don't have to be standing at a distance. Jesus has made it possible for you to enter the presence of God. You can come right up to the throne. You can get close to God. 
He wants you to have that intimate relationship with him. No one today is barred. If you feel you need help to have that relationship with God, do not leave today without asking somebody to pray with you and, and ask God for that relationship. Or settle your accounts with God. Keep that short account. Keep that short account so that you've got a pure heart and clean hands that you can ascend the hill of the Lord. Your hill of the Lord at this kitchen sink in the workplace, shopping, wherever it is. Make sure that you've got the right place to be, to be intimate in the presence of God.